0: And Judge Kavanaugh's records are Republicans hiding. The stakes, as I've said, are extremely high. He will be in a pivotal seat on a closely divided court.
1: Now, that's the sort of thing that Diane Feinstein and, and other Democrats said during the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, and and we now know that that entire time Diane Feinstein had this this supposedly damaging information why did she keep it held back until yesterday more questions than answers
2: here senor well, what a pleasure this is to welcome to the armstrong and getty show elise Vibeck of the washington post who with her colleagues young min kim uh, are writing about the brett kavanaugh thing in the mysterious feinstein letter this morning hey elise how are you
3: hey to you both thanks for having me
2: uh, our pleasure. Loved, loved, loved uh, your contributions on Brett Baer's panel through the years, by the way.
3: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. So uh, tell us about this uh, revelation. Has it revealed much?
3: Yeah, revelation uh, may be the word for it, although, to be honest, here in Washington, we are really trying to sort th- out the details on this one. It's a pretty weird situation, as I'm sure you both know, and as listeners will know if they've been following along. Uh, Diane Feinstein came out with a statement yesterday saying that she had referred Information about Brett Kavanaugh to the FBI. Uh, We know just the vaguest details about what that information was. It came in a letter. Uh, that describes an alleged episode of sexual misconduct. I want to uh, emphasize that it is alleged involving Kavanaugh when he was in high school. Uh, That is from a person familiar with the matter who we spoke with. So Feinstein came out yesterday in response to reports about the existence of this letter and confirmed that she had referred information to the FBI. Uh, She has not discussed the contents of the letter with anyone in the media no one in the media so far has the letter itself so we were kind of left yesterday looking at each other wondering what is this does it mean anything substantive for kavanaugh's confirmation and will we know more before final votes on him are expected at the end of the month
2: am i correct that diane feinstein's been in possession of this letter for months
3: that I, I have to tell you, perhaps other media have reported that. I do not believe here at The Washington Post that we have confirmed that. Okay, fair okay. uh Yeah, but it's, it's a good question because obviously over the course of this confirmation fight, uh, the Democrats have made a huge uh, kind of stink about the idea that they don't know enough about Kavanaugh in order to to provide uh, advice and consent to right, the president but, on yeah. his nomination.
1: But this is kind of separate from that. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about various legal conversations and rulings and memos that weren't released. Now we've got a, right. a, a hashtag Me Too effort going on. Um you know, and I hate to be skeptical because there's been a whole bunch of these hashtag MeToo stories break over the last year and a half or however long, and mm, almost all of them have turned out to be true. But this one is just so vague, and the timing's so weird, it's hard to take it seriously for me. Well, and particularly as the guy has been vetted and revetted and
2: revetted, including by the FBI, over the decades...
3: Right, right. right, He's been in public service. That's exactly what the White House said. And I I think that there's some truth to that, right? This is a man who has worked in the White House for Ken Starr in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. He's been confirmed by the Senate once before. He's clearly undergone serious background checks by the FBI. And all of that information is available to senators. Um, There has been no suggestion so far that Brett Kavanaugh, if indeed something like this did happen in high school, if these allegations, vague as they are, are true, that he faced any sort of legal consequence for them. Uh, as far as we can tell, there is no paper trail on it, although it's certainly a, a question that we're asking today. So uh, I think I think your skepticism is echoed by people here in Washington. I feel
1: dirty even talking about this. Yeah, especially we don't even know what we're talking no, about. No, and and, no. Listen, and I- it's in high school. Well,
2: right. I mean, if it was something awful then I suppose you could talk about character, but I'm I'm not going to ask you to address this, Elise. I'm a gentleman, but anybody among us who did not, you know, do things that they don't want to talk about, you know, in the early years of their uh, relationships, I'm not talking about something awful. I'm just talking about you know, just embarrassing. Uh, Just the idea that a high school romance—yeah, he touched my blank, and I didn't. We don't even
1: know if that's it. We don't even know. So throw it out there is really, you know, not good.
2: That's why I'm stammering all over myself. I don't know how to even describe the fact that I can't describe it.
3: Uh. Right. And and I certainly understand. And I think that what we have to remember is this is coming in the context of a very intense political battle over Kavanaugh's confirmation. Uh, it seems as if, if I had to place money on it, uh, that he will be confirmed by the end of the month. Of course, It remains to be seen whether we'll learn more about this letter, about its contents, whether we as reporters or members of the committee will be able to kind of test and vet the allegations that are apparently coming forward. But the only two people whose votes really matter at this point are Senator Susan Collins and Senator Lisa Murkowski, Republican women. And they have not yet uh, given their positions on Kavanaugh. But at this point, uh, we believe we would have seen stronger evidence from them that they would were not going to support him if they weren't going to vote for him. So, it, so whether this actually makes a difference to the outcome, I, I think is still a question.
2: And final note on the mysterious letter, I understand that the woman involved says she wants to remain anonymous, does not want to push it any further, will not come forward, ain't going to talk to anybody.
3: That is our understanding as well, although, as you can imagine, uh, every reporter in D.C. is uh, trying to find her and beat down her door today because, of course, we feel uh, that it's our obligation. And certainly uh, the public wants to know what this is all really about, uh, what the strength of the allegations are and what kind of information is really out there.
2: Elise Viebeck, Washington Post Enterprise and Investigations reporter. Elise, uh, beautifully done. Thanks very much. Thank you both. Have a great day. Great to talk to you. How
1: Thanks. much vague reporting do you want on this? So this is from Vox, and they've brought together the various reports that are out there. No, boy. The the issue seems to be related to sexual misconduct. The Intercepts, Ryan Grimm and Huff Poe, blah, 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 ba, had... Re- the usual suspects. ...reported Feinstein had received a letter from a California constituent about an incident that took place between Kavanaugh and a woman while the 53-year-old nominee was in high school. The New York Times... And it mentions a couple of reporters citing two officials familiar with the matter said it was related to possible sexual misconduct. That's incredibly vague. Vague details about the incident remain quite vague, says Vox. The Guardian's and that mentions a couple of reporters. Uh, and so now you've got uh, a news outlet from across the pond jumping in, citing one source who had been briefed on the letter, report that it involves something that took place when Kavanaugh and the woman were 17 and attending a party. Well, that's about sounds about right. Oh boy! According to the source, Kavanaugh and a male friend had locked her in her room against her will, making her feel threatened. But she was able to get out of the room. They report, though they note they haven't uh, verified the letter's claims. Okay, so first of all, this might be completely wow. not it. But wow. even if it is it, can anybody imagine that sort of thing happening? High school, college, whatever. You know, yeah, yeah.
2: <sighs> whatever the hijinks were. Right. And, uh, you know, I understand. Well, what if it was blank? I don't want to come off as lighthearted about it if it was indeed whatever blank is in your mind, but we don't know and we will probably never know. And this is a, a scurrilous, pathetic, and ridiculous attempt to smear the guy who's been more thoroughly looked at than, than anything, than anyone, for years. Hundreds of decisions, respected universally, et cetera. And now, yeah, he may have done, well, God, I don't need, I feel like I'm dignifying it with a denial. This is ridiculous. This is a
1: measure of how pathetic our politics have become. That's what this is. The Bureau told the New York Times that it has not opened a criminal investigation into the matter. Well, taking
2: the, the Guardian's word for the moment. So he and a friend locked her in a room, quote unquote, The the context, the. The, the what was said, the what the point of it was, how long it lasted, etc. Completely unclear as teenagers at least thirty-five years ago, thirty-six years ago. Right. Are you effing serious? That's my question. Diane Feinstein, this is a moment of shame for you. This is a sad and pathetic moment for you. How to spend a lifetime's worth of respect. Yeah, by I, Dianne Feinstein.
1: I heard Brett Baer say last night on Fox that Feinstein had the letter since July. I think he said, um, "I'm not finding that anywhere." So that detail may be gone as of today. That happens. It does happen. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's a pretty important detail, though. If she, if 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 Feinstein had that back in July, well, then you can't you can't excuse that at all. That's clearly the timing of it, designed to damage. Right. If she just got it, okay, it's a little better. It's still incredibly vague with, with you know, with nothing. I mean, there's well, nothing here. Well, invoking the
2: FBI to make it seem serious. Uh, right. I tell you what, you want me to draw a quick picture of a fat guy with a big smile on his face? There you go. I have received a picture of a fat guy with a big smile on his face. I have forwarded it
1: to the FBI. <laughs> there, It's the opposite of, like, the Harvey Weinstein type, Weinstein type stories. I believe it's Weinstein. <laughs> Where... Where this sort of thing comes out and everybody says, oh, yeah, he's that kind of guy. We all knew it or or Matt Lauer or a bunch of these others. Right. It's the exact opposite in, in that or or you find out there were police investigations about that sort of stuff. This is the exact opposite. There's been investigations throughout his career by the FBI into his background, found nothing. Everybody says he's not at all the kind of guy that would do that. I mean, it's the opposite. Right. Yeah. With but- a very vague claim from an anonymous person. Well, and let's face it. Which is just incredibly, boy, where we are, if we can be
2: disqualified from our career goals because of things we did as 17-year-olds, the unemployment rate would reach 73%. God, it's insane.
1: Well, and they, this is a slightly different strategy they got, though, because they don't have to, it, it doesn't have to be good enough to not confirm him. It just needs to be good enough to delay it Past the election, then if the Democrats took back the House and the Senate, they get to make a you know the political argument that no, wait a second, we've we've got to wait until this new Senate is sworn in. The never people happened. have spoken,
2: right? They will do that to fire up the base, hundred percent right. Uh, but it it'll never happen.
1: It's their only play, yeah, to, in terms of stopping Kavanaugh,
2: yeah. Wow, this is where we are politically. We have
1: reached new lows though. Oh my
2: god. Vague anonymous allegations of what you did when you were 17.
1: Oi. What's next? And there's a, His
2: potty training didn't go well cuz he likes to he just likes to poo places. There's
1: a real decent chance then when he got wind of that, he says I have no idea what they're talking about. Not the slightest idea
2: you could write a 400 page book on things i did at parties at age 17 i could neither verify or deny any of those pages i'm pretty certain
1: be pretty easy for me i'm not sure i attended a single party when i was 17 so
2: well, why don't we substitute <laughs> 22 okay for 17 that would be more difficult you. yeah
1: um, our text line, four one five two nine five kftc You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation.
0: Armstrong and
1: Getty show I don't know what the world may be, but I'm sure as hell that it starts with me
0: and that's a
1: doing our Halloween shopping this weekend going to the Target, to the scary aisle buying a stuff. Halloween shop well that's right because you have to have it to just set up in advance and, and have the house looking festive and the good stuff sells out Last year right. we waited too long. Yeah. I waited closer because I thought this is too early for Halloween shopping. Now the good stuff is all gone. The the scariest stuff. God, I, I you know there are a number of reasons I miss having kids in my house, but um, someone the, to get to me the remote, for instance. <laughs> get Daddy a beer.
2: Judy and I and the the loggerheads we we're at because I always wanted to get more and more Halloween stuff. I wanted the house to look I wanted kids to come by. I had a fog machine. I had a thunder and lightning machine. I had the spider webs. I had glowing skulls. I had all of it. I loved it. judy would be like, no, we don't need any more. The kids are just there for the can. No, we don't need. Go down to the local uh, Target. Maybe, I don't know, a day after Halloween, there'd be uh, 50% off. But I'd (laughs) get another few cases of crap.
1: Yeah, boy. We need a new skeleton. The leg broke off our old ones. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That had to be painful. Oh, yeah. It was his femur. I could see it right there. Something <laughs> <laughs> him like a broomstick. Make him a pirate skeleton. <laughs> nice diagnosis.
2: So, here are a couple of weird crime stories for you. I'd like to get to defending Norm MacDonald at some point.
1: Poor guy. I think he's... Uh, I- I've been barely following. It seems like he's overreacting. Just let it go.
2: Well, The story of him being booted from Jimmy Fallon's show is astounding. Yeah, it is. I mean, not just the fact that he was disinvited as he sat there ready to walk on stage. but I didn't realize
1: he got that close. Oh, yeah.
2: No, he was there. And Jimmy himself with tears in his eyes. The story itself is bizarre. Wow. We'll squeeze it in before the end of the hour. But a couple of weird crime stories. Uh, First of all, one that delights me more than it should because I'm a bad person. This uh, professor, Southern Nevada social professor, of course he's a sociology professor. He had to be, who shot himself in the arm in some sort of protest of Trump. I'll show you. Um, Go ahead. In fact, anybody across America, including the co-founders of Google and their entire executive board, if... If you'd like to shoot yourself in a limb to
1: protest Donald Trump, go ahead. People get mad and do things to themselves. It's always been an interesting one to me. Yeah, bizarro. But I remember a drunk girl on the dance floor at this bar I worked at. She was mad about something. And she took off her shirt and was dancing around with a mad look on her face. She was mad. And she was showing us how mad she was by dancing with her shirt. I'm I'm, I'm missing the symbolism. (laughs) Or something. And it was like so Jerry Springer-like. I'll show you. Should I dust off my my drunken girl at a bar, Rosetta Stone, and try to decipher what her meanings were? (laughs) Please do. You're an expert. (laughs) So I... My initial guess is there was a dude, a specific person that she was mad at, mm. and this was her way of kind of, hey, no, no, I'm not with you. I'm, I'm open for business. Like, it was her kind of... Oh, gotcha. Could be. Like, just putting herself out there for other potential So, bows. she was very attractive, and the, and the owner guy, he was in the DJ booth with me, and he, and he went out and danced with her for a while. He came back, and he said, she smells like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is stuck in my mind. For 20 years. That
2: whole whole mating dance, rejecting one date, uh, uh, making oneself available to other potential. Are are we discussing wild hogs here or or human beings? I
1: don't know. Unbelievable. So the sociology professor shoots himself in the arm.
2: Well, he he was a gent, though, because he taped a $100 bill to the mirror uh, for the janitor. Appreciate it. Because he thought, now, when I do shoot myself in one of my limbs in protest of Donald Trump, I'm probably going to bleed a great deal, which will cause an inconvenience for the janitorial staff. So that's, that's unbelievable. How much time, Michael? Two minutes. All right. I got to get right to this. This, this story is bizarre and troubling. Oregon court, courtroom, 2017. Daughter accuses her father of sexual abuse. Oof. Yeah. Between 06 and 013, the witness told the court, her father, uh, Joshua, blank, had groped her, penetrated. Uh, just terrible, 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 terrible accusations. And I have them in front of me in their graphic, and they're absolutely horrible. Uh witness uh, also said that um, he would threaten her and the family pets if she talked. What would he threaten to do? Kill them. And he followed through with it. What do you mean he followed through with it? He shot my dog, Lucy, right in front of me. He was just trying to touch me again. I'd had enough, and Lucy had to pay for it. This guy, convicted, sent to prison, 50-year sentence. But the Innocence Project, he finally got them to pay attention because they said, wow, this seems like just a pure, sick, pathetic thing. They got them to pay attention. One of the things they did was they went looking for the dog. The dog isn't dead. He never shot any dogs. And... It took a number of months but they found the lab and that turned out to be the key that turned
1: things the guy is not guilty. Oh my god. Yeah. She's a crazy
2: person. Well it's the story of terrible mental illness oh. and or the twisting of an ex of, uh, of a child by an ex-spouse. Oh,
1: oh my god.
2: And just I got to make a so TV listen. movie out of that one. Listen. That's why you can be very, very vigilant against this sort of stuff—the hashtag Me Too, whatever. But that doesn't mean you lose your your sense of skepticism a little bit. Wow, that's something. What's yeah.
1: coming? One word, Marshall. Give us one word.
0: Catholic clergy child abuse scandal. You're oh, up, so You're many bad words. At counting <laughs> 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 on the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs>
2: Welcome! Happy Friday. Final note on the previous story. The guy unjustifiedly, uh, erroneously convicted of raping his own daughter, good God. Um, and he's free now. But he, not only was he doing time. This is a guy who's never been in any legal trouble in his life. Right. But he was doing time in prison as a child rapist. Aye. Aye. Which is not exactly, you know, a cush existence.
1: Wow. It's an ugly story.
2: Oh, it's, it's absolutely horrible. You know, justice has been, it would appear, has been done at this point, but there's no
0: undoing the damage. So, anyway. News now, Marsha Phillips. Well, the Diocese of San Diego adding eight priests to the list of those believed to have molested children. The new names extend the roster of predator priests that was established by a landmark legal case 11 years ago. In September of 2007, the diocese settled 144 claims of sexual abuse. Man, the newly listed priests were accused of abuse after the settlement, or were reported to the diocese early, earlier in files that had been
2: overlooked. Okay, so it was some more recent, some less recent. Yes, correct. And
0: and that settlement was when? Again, that was in 2007. Okay. And a lot of, and even these cases that have been reported now, the eight cases that have been reported now, some of the priests have died, some have disappeared. They've moved, they've gone to Mexico and never to be heard of again. A number of these cases over the years were all settled with financial settlements. In some cases, the victims were given college tuition Hmm. to just not say anything.
1: So uh, I wanted to mention this because I thought it was interesting. The front page of USA Today, Civil War Divides World's Catholics. So the biggest battle that's going on in a Catholic church is not about the sexual abuse stuff, which I think is a huge mistake by them. Huge mistake. If you don't make this the number one through ten priority of your church right now, you're making a huge mistake. But it's all about uh, so many of the 1.2 billion Catholics on Earth are not happy with how liberal Pope Francis is oh. and the battle over that. And uh, so there's a huge battle going up within the Vatican within the Vatican over whether Pope Francis should stay or resign, and it's not, almost nothing to do with the sexual abuse stuff. But there's a huge power uh, play going on to try to force him out by the more conservative members of the church all around the world. Mm -hmm. And he's battling for his his job, his existence in the church, and it's not about this stuff. The only thing they should be worried about is this stuff right now. If they, want to see, if they want to continue to have any sway on the world stage, they need to get this under control.
2: Now,
0: I have a comment, but I think, Marshall, you're going to touch on San Jose. Yeah. Probably a
2: poor choice of words, but go
0: ahead. Yeah, the bishop of the Diocese of San Jose, California, is working to be more transparent, he says, regarding the sex abuse scandals that have been rocking the church. The bishop, Patrick McGrath, says he's going to be releasing a list of the names and the status of every priest who has been found to be credibly accused of abusing minors within the diocese. In an open letter, he called the abuse of minors by priests horrific and heartbreaking. He is also calling for an independent review of all diocese of San Jose records on clerical sexual abuse. Patty Boy, well done, sir. Well done, tip of the
2: cap. So, you know, I'm not a doctor, Jack. I may have played doctor in my previous life, which would disqualify me from the Supreme Court, I guess, according to Diane Feinstein or something. Anyway, um when you have a systemic illness, you don't treat individual body parts. You know, you have a blood infection. You don't treat the arm right. and then the leg and then the other leg. I mean... Uh, I, I, I'm not getting a, an idea of a top-down, all-hands-on-deck, auga-auga concern for this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because of what I just said, according to the USA Today, the, all the power struggle, the intrigue, the meetings, everything that's going on in the Vatican at the highest levels is all about this, does Francis stay in as a liberal pope with the conservative elements trying to boot him out? Well, is there liberal doctrinally yeah. or, or politically? Uh, doctrine Okay. Um, So the, the sexual abuse thing is back burner, according to USA Today. Wow. Almost none of it is about the charges of widespread clerical abuse scandals and all these big meetings and all the power struggles that are going on at the Vatican. Wow. So that's not their thing. It'd be like, well, it's like our government arguing over who's going to win the midterms and this and that and ignoring the the debt that just continues to go on. Great example.
2: I heard a Democrat talking about that to a fairly liberal journalist. They said, if we don't get hold of this, it'll be a disaster. You know, each side takes turns being concerned about it when their guy is not in the White House. Uh, But uh, God, that gave me at least a tiny dash of hope.
0: Switching gears, TV personality Julie Chen is standing by her husband and former CBS CEO Les Moonves in the midst of the sexual misconduct allegations against him. Chen hosts the CBS series Big Brother and usually signs off the show with I'm Julie Chen, but said last night. For now, let's eaveshop on the house guests. From outside the Big Brother house with Brent, I'm Julie Chen Moonves. Good night.
2: What? Oh, threw in moon <laughs> yes. Pride. Standing by her man. Yes.
1: Defiance. Wow. Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so unlike Harvey Weinstein's wife and yep. Matt Lauer's wife, who left the country with the children, right? Um, she's doubling down. That was a brave and defiant stance by a woman who hosts
2: a show where they take the mentally damaged, <laughs> ply them with wine, and make them do bad things, and then show the world. Make them say stupid things and then display it to the world.
1: Well, her husband's almost certainly a pig, right? Oh, yeah, a nasty,
2: nasty pig. Wow. yeah, well, uh, you've got to wait to What's weigh the problem? allegations.
0: Yeah. Well, don't tell that to Julie. For now, let's eavesdrop on the house guest. From outside the Big Brother house with Brent, I'm Julie Chen Moonves. Good night. And that's your news. I'm Good Marshall. for you. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs>
1: Good for you. That was a bald eagle right there. It did. That we keep chained in the studio yes. to symbolize freedom. Yes, that's correct. It's a beautiful gesture. Well, if you let him loose, he'll run away. Right. Fly away. Probably
0: won't. Well, run. you recall the other day he got out for a little bit. Right. That was pretty dramatic. Well, if you love something, turn it loose.
2: If it flies away, you got to buy another one. So chain <laughs> it. As <laughs> the old saying goes. That's right. <laughs> We're so, in- the Norm MacDonald thing. I oh, think I that. Hear might that. be an
1: apropos moment. I want to hear that. We're going to talk to Mark Leibovich. Neverland who we love as a reporter who wrote a book about the NFL. Coming up a little bit later, too, on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
2: The conscience of the nation.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Long so I've
1: been barely following this Norm Macdonald thing, and I like him. We've interviewed him a couple of times. I've always liked his uh, his his stuff, and he seems like a nice guy. I read some of his book, and I just had a feeling that like he he got he got caught up in this crazy wave of political correctness. And had been going too far in his apologies, like taking it too seriously. But I want to I hear what went down.
2: Well, yeah, he, he did an interview with a Hollywood reporter, and he was talking about the wave of victims coming forth. And uh, while he was talking about it, he also talked about Roseanne Barr and Louis C.K., both of whom are friends of his, and how they lost their TV series um, for her for idiotic, uh, could-be-construed-as-racial remark. And the sexual assault thing with
1: Louis C.K. and the rest of it, and he, Norm Macdonald's a stand-up comedian. He was on Saturday Night Live. He had a hit sitcom.
2: He's a lanky Canadian. He's a
1: lanky Canadian. Yeah.
2: Um. And. And he was just saying that it's sad to see all the damage, and he mentioned that it's he's sad for his friends who've lost their careers, and of course that prompted outrage.
1: You're not and, supposed
2: and to say that. No, no. Uh, no, you cannot depart even incrementally from the party line, because or you will be round, pulled out of your home, rounded up. and
1: Because we're so stupid at this point huh? that you're all one thing or another. Right. You can, There is no time for nuance. Nuance is
2: dead. Long live nuance. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then he used an unfortunate... Uh, uh, reference to Down
1: syndrome. Uh, well, can you tell you me know, what that unfortunate reference is? He said,
2: is? yeah, I never defended them. I am completely behind the hashtag Me Too movement. You'd have to have Down syndrome to not feel sorry for. Hashtag Me Too is what you want for your daughters and you want for the future world, of course. And I meet all kinds of women with terrible stories of what's happened to them. So I wasn't talking about the victims. They asked me about Roseanne. But that comment sparked even more controversy.
1: I I would never say that. No, I wouldn't either.
2: I think that's terrible. But he he was not, you know, we need to have respect for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. I agree completely. I agree 100%. But don't haul him up on the, you know, on the gallows. Just, I don't know. Everybody is just so anxious to be outraged. But here's the really crazy part. Um, At one point, he tweeted, Roseanne and Lewis have both been very good friends of mine for many years. They both made terrible mistakes, and I would never defend their actions. If my words sound like I was minimizing the pain that their victims feel to this day, I am deeply sorry. That is what he said before he went to The Tonight Show, because he's got a new show on Netflix, I think. And and his pal Jimmy Fallon was having him on. I'm quoting Norm MacDonald now. Jimmy comes to me, and he was like, how should we play this? I said, I think we should say it at the end, because if you say it at the beginning, you can't come back from that, talking about the controversy. I get that. And he said, what am I supposed to ask? And I said, Jimmy, I don't exactly know. So he leaves. Then someone suggested I start the show with an apology, and I go, it's not my show. And Jimmy came back in, and he said, can I talk to you, buddy? He was very broken up about it. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, should I not do the show? And he said, I don't know. It's just I have so much pressure from so many people. He goes, people are crying. And I said, people are crying? And he said, yeah, senior producers are crying. About what? About Norm MacDonald being allowed to be on the air. What? And I said, good Lord, bring them in. Let me talk to them. I don't want to make people cry. So Jimmy said, come back whenever you want, but I think it will hurt the show tonight. And I said, Jimmy, I don't want to hurt your show. That's the last thing I want to do.
1: Wow, people are crying. Hmm. These are odd times. They really are. Really are. These are odd times. I'd say.
0: Can you imagine one of us crying because you were gonna have a certain guest on the show? Oh well, no, we'd get him on the air and we'd grill them. Or we'd, we'd say, What
2: were you thinking? And they'd defend themselves and we'd either buy it or we wouldn't and this is a strange time. People are time. crying. People are so rigid, anxious to be offended. Am well, I missing something? Or, or we have like... I mean, Norm know, McDonald fell all over himself. To talk about the, the world for little girls needs to be a, one where they're not harassed, and this is great.
1: But, you know, you're talking about the end of nuance. It's like our brains now have like four different departments only. And it all gets lumped into the sexual victim thing. All of it. Whether you're Norm MacDonald, <laughs> who said something then apologized, or you're the actual rapist, it's all in the same place. Wow. Yes. Wow. And we react all emotionally, all the same thing. No gradations
0: yeah. of the outrage. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's it's Why interesting. Would... People are crying, man. People are crying. Ow. He said, yeah, senior producers are crying.
1: That's interesting. I don't know. I just, I'm so flabbergasted by that. The format of the show, aside from
2: like drop dead Neil Young impersonations, well, is yeah. you bring somebody out and you ask
1: them stuff. It's a really goofy show, so oh, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be harder on that show, on uh, Fallon's show than any of the other shows to like address this because they just, they're so goofy all the time, which is fine. That's- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I don't know what the people were crying about. I'd really like to know.
2: When asked if he had any other TV appearances canceled due to his comments, McDonald replied, they haven't said anything yet. Asked about the entire experience, McDonald said, quote, I don't like talking about politics. I find it boring. Everywhere I go, every conversation comes back to Trump and the issues, and I'm like, God damn, I just want to talk about how I have to wait three years to see Game of Thrones. I wish I never had to do an interview, especially a print interview, because they edit it and put it together and ask you questions that maybe you don't want to answer, and they put things together that you're saying, and I'm an effing dumb
1: guy. I get confused. (laughs) That is very much true and it'll root a lot of this, is that I Norm MacDonald is a comedic genius, but in a lot of other aspects of life, like many famous comedians, sure, they are an utter mess. But but his point is in the modern world, everybody's gotta ask you about right. Trump stuff or serious issues and get you on the record because they don't think anybody will click on the article, I guess, if he if you don't say right. something about Trump. Well, it's it's the Trump crack syndrome. And if it's not your wheelhouse to talk about this stuff, yeah, you can trip yourself up really fast. We've certainly talked about this before,
2: and if you've heard it many times, we apologize. But if you look at the New York Times in particular, it's the most egregious example. But uh, there are a number of publications that answer to this. They will tie Trump into a book review about a new gardening book. They will make a music review uh, like instrumental banjo music, banjos in the age of Trump. It's it's become it's uh, beyond why, ridiculous
1: or why and I've seen this why this fried chicken is perfect for these difficult political times. Right. I mean that sort of thing. that that is a literal <laughs> yeah. example. Yeah, it's so crazy.
2: Yeah.
1: man, these are weird times. Have yeah. I mentioned that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, yeah, there's a limit, right? Haven't we reached about the wall and yeah, we got to yeah. start to go back. A little bit.
2: So you have to read Mark Leibovich's This Town to understand how Washington actually works. And you have to read Sebastian Younger's book Tribe to understand why people like to feel threatened. Because it makes them band together and they get the human connection that we so desperately want in this isolated techno 21st century. We don't feel connected to our neighbors the way we used to. And, and pretending like politics is really threatening us. Causes people to band together in a way that's incredibly satisfying on a caveman level. And there's so much of that at work these days. Just once you figure out what's going on, it's just and
1: and how actually crazy people are getting. It's hard to watch. How much time we got, Michael? Uh, You got a minute 20 here. Teens are protesting in-class presentations for many middle and high school students. Giving an in-class presentation was a rite of passage. Teachers call you up one by one. You do your presentation in front of the whole class. It's nerve wracking. Sure it is. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, for how about people first with severe anxiety or they're introverts or whatever? Maybe they should do away with this. A recent survey by the Association of American Colleges and Universities, blah, 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 blah. Um, 90% of hiring managers say it's important to be able to do with this, but some schools are doing away with it because they think it's unfair to introverts or people with social anxiety. This is the... Dumbing down and weakening of a society. Yeah.
2: Plenty of f- things I found out I wasn't very good at, and I'm fine. I realized got to play to play to my strengths.
1: Yeah, that stuff didn't bother me much, which is probably not surprising given my. But I got I had friends who was just, oh, it was horrifying. Horrifying.
2: But it makes the good better, it makes the mediocre good, and it makes
1: the not very good a little better than they would have been. That's what effing education is. And it's something you have to do in life. Right. But anyway, you're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show.